Welcome to GWIF episode 32. You are in for an amazing treat. You know when you just ask someone to be on the podcast and you don't quite realize how freaking famous they are? Well, let me say Jenny Radcliffe is famous. I'm a bit embarrassed. I didn't quite know that, but then I might not have had the guts to reach out to her. I listened to her podcast before and have followed her on Twitter for a bit. Of course, we are connected on LinkedIn. She actually got one of the books I had recommended, Confident Woman by Tori Telfer. I haven't laughed this hard on a podcast, I don't think, either as a guest or a host. It's a longer podcast, but I guarantee you will love it. I promise. After the interview, I was Googling around and found she was on the Jordan Harbinger podcast. That is a big deal. So sometimes it pays to just do enough to reach out. If I had done a deep dive, I probably would not have asked her. Let's get started. Okay, so starting off today, this was so funny because we have just the amazing Jenny Radcliffe, but you know what? is we're walk, we're on Zoom, so you can't see this, but Jenny has a little bit of a tickle in her throat mm-hmm. and she's got a big pink cup. I do. And you know what? Honestly, Kelly, I would never have, I am everything. I'm like Johnny Cash. Look in the wardrobe, everything's black. Everything will be black, skulls, everything. I'm such a little goth. And today, without even really thinking about it, I picked up a big pink cup because pink, I'm channeling, you're channeling, you're manifesting pink on my otherwise gothic black desk. (laughs) You you have powers. What can I say? The power of the pink. Okay. (laughs) The power of the pink. I love it. So like I said, we are here with Jenny Radcliffe and um, AKA People Hacker. And Mm -hmm. I think we met via Twitter because everyone knows how much I love Twitter. But Jenny, why don't you give the audience kind of your sort of elevator, I sneak into elevators and I find all sorts of good things speech. (laughs) Okay, so I'm a a hacker. So People Hacker is a type of hacker. It's a social engineer. Um, For those that don't know, social engineers are non-technical hackers. Well, some of the technical hackers are social engineers as well. Level of skills I don't have. But pretty much I'm a non-technical hacker. I've always worked with psychology um, and with things like influence and persuasion techniques, non-verbals, that type of thing. Um, And I'm an expert in all those things. But I've been a social engineer and I've been someone who manipulates, influences and persuades my way into organizing organizations and past gatekeepers digital and physical pretty much my whole life I've done it since I was really young um and so I, a journalist called me she said well you can persuade anyone to let you do anything you are you're like the people hacker and I thought I'm having that that's very good I'll steal that as well so yes a burglar for hire psych- psychological hacker really uh, but I'm on the side of the angels Kelly okay. I am I'm not I'm not Snow White but uh, I'm on the side of the angels. You have to pick a side quite early, and I, I pick mine. So well, so I have felon friends, and I don't think you're a felon friend. I, I'm going with you're not a felon friend. No, God bless you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I, so uh, one of the things that you know when I prepare for a podcast, I listen if someone else has been on podcasts or if they have a podcast like yours, the human factor security, and I'll put that in the show notes, which is awesome. It's you can listen, but you can also watch. And so um, I, I've done both. And I like both. Um, Thank you. (laughs) But uh, one of the most recent ones that I watched was Christina Lennon, who is a hypnotherapist. Mm. And she has the hypno dog. And, <laughs> and I was like, huh, this is kind of interesting. So, you know, you're the people hacker, but she's a hypno hacker. Would you call her a hypno hacker? I just like, I really like, when I started out with the podcast, I decided to interview interesting people. Uh, and I didn't want to keep it just a security at first because my my skills were beyond security. So I have friends who helped me in the in the nonverbal reads, for example. So I, I have people like Mark Ellis on the show who, who can read your face and is like an expert. It was a naturally good uh, reader of, of Paul Ekman's fax system and stuff like this. And I always wanted people. I, I like to have people who had sort of um, skills that was that I would love to have had as well. So like, you know, hypnosis 
think this would be so useful in my job because instead of me going to all the trouble of doing all the open source intelligence and doing all the surveillance and building up a pretext to get into a into a building and, and sort of hit a mark I could just say to someone, right, you know, you're going to let me in. They just let me in, you know. And Christina, uh, she was on a podcast that I was on with a guy called Mike Winnett over in the UK. Now, if you've not heard of Mike, I really highly recommend that you and your listeners um, listen to his podcast. So he does a he does a video podcast called The Contrepreneur. It was called uh, Not Another Dickhead with a podcast. I don't know if you have to bleep out with but Mike was very much into dissecting the formula behind all these gurus on LinkedIn and other places that say you know you can make a million and uh you know and and, and you follow this formula and you become like a world famous salesperson or guru of some kind um, and the reason that's interesting is because it's fraud. It's still fraud. It's still telling people lies, telling them if they can use this formula, they can be very successful, make seven figures in a year and all this. Mike really hated it. And so he went and dissected how people, and he goes after people like, and, and I'm not necessarily saying that he's right or wrong, <laughs> taking the fifth there, Jenny, but he goes after people like Ty Lopez, Anthony Robbins, uh, Grant Cordoni, people like that. And he asked me to go in and dissect the formula of what I would do on a job. If I was pulling a con, how would I convince someone to fall for the con? Because we do that ethically and then we tell them how we did it and it's an education piece and then they harden security so that the bad guys can't do the same thing. But Christina was on it after me. So she was the guest after me or a couple of guests after me. And, and, and he was asking her the same questions. Is this all about convincing people you know, to do something like she, she's an expert in manipulation. She must be because she can make you, you know, pretend to be Tina Turner on the stage. The thing that she does is amazing is she gets people to count to 10, but they forget the number seven. So you'll see videos of she go one, two, three, four, five, six, eight. And they can't see it that they've done it because she's hypnotized them so brilliantly. So I wanted to speak to her about that, but mostly um, because there's some things in common, but mostly I was interested on the show of seeing people who were at the top of their game, who really had put the, the hard yards in and the discipline and experience to be able to sit there and off the top of their head, just give tip after tip and advice after advice, because there's a lot of fakes in the industry. There's a lot of people who are claiming experience they don't have. And, you know, pink collar crime, you're in the same game as me. We're all interested in stopping people lying and convincing people to to do things that are not in their best interests and so I just it was a complimentary skill I guess yeah that's um have you read the book Confident Women by Tori 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 Telfair so you suggested it on LinkedIn a while ago you mentioned it and I got it and I and I'm oh so for me this is like I, I listened to a couple of chapters and I thought oh my god I'm saving this and I'm saving this for my summer vacation because if I listen to it now it is really a very much like um, a busman's holiday for me that is me reading a professional <laughs> this is like oh these are my peers I mean I don't admire people who rip people off but I know some of the skills and I've pull cons my whole life um so I kind of I'm saving it because it's so wonderful it's such a treat to read it and to read about women doing the job even though the majority of my contacts in uh con artistry and social engineering are women so yeah no it's it's, it's a great suggestion I've got to thank you for that Kel oh on to that. well the thing she starts off with you know you have to be likable mm-hmm like and, you know, I've only had one victim say that he didn't like, you know, his assistant. And therefore, I never let her have access to my checkbook. And I'm like, she still stole $450,000. And he's like, how? And I'm like, your visa machine. He's like, can you do that? And I was like, yeah, I mean, it's hard. It's harder to say no to someone you like. And it's even yeah. harder to say no to someone you trust. And, and really what a lot of people, certainly inside a threat, so people, I, I mean, I, I've done loads of jobs, because even just recently, um, of a high net worth individual, I had a team of staff and an individual on that team had stolen, actually stolen art, which was so exciting because I'm not in that world, but, you know, I, I'd watch it feverishly. Um, although I've, I, did, I have to say that I have, I have broken into a couple of art galleries, but that's another story. But, um, and, 
Uh, oh God, where was I over to? I forgot what I said. You can edit this because I forgot where was it. Where was I over to? Where was I over to? About liking. Oh yes, and uh, oh no, so my client. And so what they said was. Um, this member of their staff had stolen some art from them, which they hadn't noticed because they kept it in a warehouse, all of it worth millions. Um, but what they couldn't reconcile wasn't that the person, I don't think it was even that the person could have been um, a criminal. <clears throat> I think what they couldn't reconcile was that they hadn't spotted that they were a criminal, that they trust them all that time. And so they couldn't admit that they liked and trusted someone that you shouldn't like and trust. And that's a very hard thing for a victim. It's a very hard thing for a mark to do. And, and, and really it's what you, it's why people sell, you know, the Eiffel Tower twice and all the rest of it, because you can't admit that you're wrong the first time. You know, I'm, I'm, so, I'm so right about this person that I'll make the same mistake again. So the psychology of that's quite, quite interesting, I think. Well, and we talked prior to starting the recording just about, emotions trumping logic yeah yeah i mean that's one of the core things that i talk about and i talk about um red flags and four red flags and one of them is emotion because you can't emotions are different in different people emotions are on a scale we go from subtle to extreme you know what frightens you fears and emotion we all have we're all equipped with or nearly all um but what frightens you might not frighten me you might be frightened of snakes and i might not be or whatever um, and we can train ourselves to have like less extreme reactions and to come down out of that emotional state quicker. You know, there's there's people who meditate um, and can be less angry, for example, through meditation. I'm thinking of like monks and things like this. But the bottom line is, is that you need, there's an onset of emotion tends to come on very quickly. And then when you're in that emotional state, that hot mess, the hot fog of emotion, it's very difficult to make good decisions because emotion overrides everything as part of our physiology really it's a part of the brain that's very strong and very old and it's there to protect you so what we actually want when we hear you know when we get a phishing email or when we hear a cons line you know con artist line what we actually want is the human side of the brain to kick in and say right let's think about this logically there's no such thing as a free lunch there's no such thing as a guaranteed return on investment we've got to think about those things and and think way up all the risks and do it properly but what we actually do is our animal part of our brain takes over the faster part of the brain and goes oh that looks like a good deal quick 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 put the money in or oh my god they've got all my files quick pay the ransom or you, do you see what i mean and so emotion is, is is once we understand the way emotion works it's a very potent tool uh for a con artist it's a very potent tool for a social engineer and unfortunately it's a very potent tool um for a criminal because it's hard for people to come past it and to come away from it you know it's a, it's a big one so one of my little hobbies is behavioral science and um what you were just talking about is system one and system two which Correct. danny Toneman. so did you know he has a new book coming out I do know he has a new book coming out and I'm looking forward to reading it. So I can't remember when. And again, it's like, I mean, honestly, we're on Zoom right now. I could turn the camera around and you could see the pile of unread books on this that I have. So what is it about and what, tell me everything you know about Daniel Kahneman's new book. Um, well, it's called Noise. And, okay. Um, I just, you know, I haven't, I haven't seen him in person. I've seen Dan Ariely in person a couple of times. I love the whole behavioral science world. And you in the UK, you have, you know, Rory Sutherland, mm -hmm. who is, you know, Mr. Advertising Marketing Genius. And um, I just love that for not only marketing and advertising, but if you turn it towards <laughs> crime um, and, you know, Again, the, the victim, there's shame. There is so much shame. And what you were saying about you had a client who had art stolen, mm -hmm. I'm going to say it probably didn't come public. Like they didn't want it to be. Oh, no, 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 no. Yeah, no. most, I would say a lot of your work is, I don't know how much is private. <laughs> yeah, so, so it's, it's a weird mixture because like I, I, I'm, uh, we, we're just a small company, right? So I don't have like a PR department or a marketing department. So if someone asks me to, to to do an interview, I'll always do an interview. I've got my own podcast. People have very kindly donated their time. So I almost never say no. Um, 
so yeah so I'm kind of out there all the time and I do a lot of keynotes on, on social engineering and on con artistry and on um body language and deception and stuff like that so that bit's the most public you could possibly be and then the actual work itself tends to be incredibly clandestine and underground and, and not really for public consumption so it's, it's an odd mix but I mean just just sorry just because you're there but but to get back onto Kahneman stuff that system one and system two thinking is amongst the most powerful tool that you can possibly uh have in your, you know in your kit if you're if you're if you're a, a con artist of any kind if you do, if you're pulling any kind of fraud but 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 like everything it takes a bit of time to master it you can understand it. it's sort of simple but not easy I think and I think that's the thing. I hear a lot of people quote it who, don't, who clearly have not read the book. People tell me they've read um, Thinking Fast and Thinking Slow. And then I'll say, tell, tell me what you thought about the lily part. And if they can't answer me, I know they've not read it. <laughs> well, I read it a long time ago, so I don't remember that part. It's all the riddles he does about how you know to, to test your brain. So there's a bit in the, there's a bit in Thinking Fast and Slow, and I use it all the time. And it's the bit where he says, there's a bat and a ball. Okay, so I want you to picture this bat and the ball for me, right? So there's a bat and a ball, baseball bat, ball. Um, and the combined price is £1.10. Now, if the bat costs £1, exactly £1 more than the ball, how much does the ball cost? And everyone goes, 10 pence. Go, no, 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 I'll say it again. There's a bat and the ball and the combined price is £1.10. If the bat costs exactly £1 more than the ball, how much does the ball cost? 10 pence. No, and it really doesn't. I'm not going to say what it is. It'll drive everyone mad. And if you know, when Kelly posts this, Put the answer underneath without looking it up. But the thing is, I've done that for crap. Like, like I've, I've done a, a keynote with a thousand people, right? And honestly, I know that 90% of those people are, are going to be thinking 10 pence, 10 pence, 10 pence, and they can't get it out the head. And the lily pad's another one about if a lily pad takes, you know, two, you know, if, 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 a, if a lily pad doubles in size every second day, how long does it take to cover their? you know a pond you know or whatever it was I can't remember exactly but I know that like the lily pad one sent me mad because it was like if it doubles in size every day and it takes 15 days to cover half the pond that was it if it doubles in size every day it takes 15 days to cover half the pond how many days does it take to cover the whole of the pond right and everyone wants to say 30 because yeah. it's 16 yeah. and everybody and and, and and that's the thing you know and I read it a long time ago as well but there's those things stick in my head yeah I remember yeah. now I remember the bat and the ball because yeah. I mean I have a finance background but the first time I answered I'm not going to say the answer because we're going to make you people think but um initially I went to 10 cents or 10 pence that's my initial but then I was like okay so but i see it, it as well so when i'm talking about it, i see it so i'll say you know what 90 percent of you see and i said it in the 90 percent yeah yeah i said look 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 just gonna raise your hand if you've always been good with figures if you've always been good with numbers if you've got like a finance background a maths background you know i said it's about 10 percent and i'll say so about 10 percent of you you know are always going to get it right but the other 90 percent i'm 10 10 10 10 10 and when i say picture a bat and a ball i say picture a baseball bat and a ball so i make sure they're not uh, pitching a cricket bat or a tennis it's a baseball bat and a ball because what does a baseball bat and a ball look like the number 10 and i'll write it you know if i've got a chart i'll write it if i'm presenting it'll be up on the back so i'll make sure that most people can't get 10 out of the head and then i laugh evilly <laughs> I do an evil laugh when they all can't get 10 out of the head <laughs> which is pretty bad <laughs> oh my gosh that is so funny I hadn't thought of the the seed the seeding of the the one in the you um, know yeah, yeah I hadn't thought of that but I, I I love Kahneman and I've heard him on some podcasts and everything his book is a harder read than some of the books in that genre so yeah. it's one of those books that actually I have on my list to reread this summer. And well, a tip, a tip. I get that. I've, I've got Tori's book on Audible. So I get them as, as audio books and I, and I put them at one and a half. Uh, but, but with my, with, with the Kahneman book, um, what I did do, <laughs> because I have all these corporate groups, I teach, I teach lots of corporate groups, very high level people skills. So like Jedi mind trick negotiations and stuff like that. And I always say something, look, if you just go to YouTube, look it up there's a there's a big think around there a company called big think and they'll do summaries 
of it and you'll get the gist of it if you're too lazy to read the entire book which I do understand I usually say if you're too busy but I mean if you're too lazy but we are all busy and it is a tough it is it's a tough read but it's, a, it's worth it you earn it <laughs> okay so you you are in this sort of world of very high level um executive coaching and yes. my Jedi mind tricks do you know Margaret Heffernan the name rings a bell. Oh, I don't okay. know her though. Okay, so um, I'm not sure where she lives. Like, I think she's American, but she's lived in England for a long time. You have to Google her Super Chickens TED Talk because I think you might really enjoy her Super Chickens TED Talk. Okay. And I think it might help, like, you can add it to your bag of tricks. Awesome. I certainly yeah. will. <laughs> and I love her stuff. She has, she wrote a book and I can't, her first book is Willfully Blind, but then the other one, oh my I God. know Willfully Blind. That's yeah. where I know the name from. Yeah, and her other book, I'm like looking on my bookshelf right now, but I think it's in my room. She wrote it and she, like it was published in February of 2020 and it was finished in like November of 2019. And she wrote about the pandemic. It's just uh, you and her are just yeah. Oh my gosh, you're gonna okay. Get I will definitely. I know that. I know willfully blind. In fact, I think I might have willfully blind on my oh, wait, shelf. It's, it's willful blindness. Is it willfully blind? Oh my gosh, I, no, I've got it. I, I, I bet you I could pick it up. It's right there. I'm just trying to see. I've not got my glasses on. Talk about willfully, willfully. I think it's willfully, <laughs> but it's, I'm sure it's right on my shelf. Yeah. I think you and I could compare. Oh my gosh. Bookshelves rather and get quite a lot of matches actually. Okay, so this is funny. Have you seen this book? So okay, we're on Zoom. Mistresses of Mayhem. No. Oh my god, you're telling me all these books I don't know. Did you realize you're adding massive amounts of you know expenditure and time? Mistresses of Mayhem, right? Yeah. I don't remember okay. where I got this, but um <laughs> Yeah. You stole it. No, I'm joking. Yeah. Kelly, I'm joking. <laughs> oh. Oh, it's oh, so I just need to tell you all that this is quite late for me in the day. So I'm yeah. quite tired. Do you know when you get tired and you get a little bit, it's almost like being drunk where you can't, you know, if, you, if you're a little bit drunk and you kind of all your inhibitions go, I'm quite tired right now. <coughs> Mostly because of this cough I've got. It's not COVID. It's, yeah. So it says. And, and that's here. why I'm just being. <laughs> <clears throat> anyway it says on the back of the book the female of the species wrote poet rudyard kipling is deadlier than the male mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> so. there's so. actually a, a, a group in there a group from my hometown liverpool called space and they actually wrote a whole song called the female of the species oh interesting because it's true i suppose sometimes except it isn't is it because mr crime is men frankly <sighs> yeah well, women so it isn't. We like to think that because it sounds quite sexy, but actually, most crime is male. There well, we go. I mean, I, now I sound like a, a raging feminist. Oh, oh well, and not the fun kind. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know that we say bad guys. We don't say bad chicks, bad women. Like it's just in our vernacular. Don't give. I mean, I think I, I was asked. I was being interviewed just yesterday, and and the interviewer said to me. The question I'm asked a lot, and I don't blame people for asking it, but, you know, do you have advantages, the fact that you're a woman being a social engineer? Has that ever been to your advantage? And and I always say it that the question's predicated on the idea that the security team are male. Female, you know, investigators and security people don't for one minute let me get away with anything because I'm female. And I, and I only sort of, I mean, not really, I don't really think it is with men. I think people are, you know, less suspicious of me because I don't look dangerous, but it, it, yeah. it's sort of, it, it's like you say, it's, it's these kinds of uh, memes and rules that we have in our head that, yeah. that really don't apply. And it's what we tell, I tell, I tell people all the time when I'm training them and when I'm doing awareness training, the hacker doesn't need to look like a hacker. A criminal might not sound like a criminal. Yeah. You know, not everyone who smiles is a friend. Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I was writing down, um, <laughs> uh, where, wait, well, I put it on another thing was, um, the whole females we think are more innocent. 
Like I'm not innocent. We, you, you have children. <laughs> We're not going to say who your children are because they're locked down. Uh, <laughs> like when you, when the kids were younger, if you took them into a grocery store and you said, I mean, this happened to my, my son. If you get lost from me, go look for the nice lady. Mm-hmm. And if you see someone, a scary guy, run and scream. Now, like in my world, the nice lady is going to rob you more blind than the scary dude because the nice lady is smarter and you trust her. Yes, but for I, but the advice I always give children is find, find a mom, find a mummy. Yeah, I, you know, I give I, I, I talk in a lot of schools and I say go find go find a, a woman because it's less because statistically it's less likely to be dangerous uh, at that age and level. Um, and 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 if you can find, I mean, I, I had a good friend tell me this, and this is really good advice, but it sounds a little bit off. But he's a ninja, right? So he's an actual certified. I think you can be certified as a ninja. So he's, he's martial arts seven days a week. It looks exhausting. But he said he told his kids find the roughest looking woman, like a really, like a really tough looking, like someone who's really been through the mill takes absolutely no bs find her and say this guy is bothering me and you'll be fine and i thought that's probably <laughs> that's quite good advice but no i, I just say you find a, a lazy now that's fine for kids to your point as we get older that's not necessarily the case it depends on what it is and certainly just to get to you know to, to your sort of themes and topics uh, fraud and con artistry if it's done, and I hate, you know, well doesn't mean, the fact that I can mark something on merit, right, for innovation and creativity doesn't mean it's a good thing. But for it to be done well, there should really be an elegance to it. There should be a construct to it. For social engineering, people very often think that it's about, um, you know, a cheeky smile and just tailgating through, you know, following someone through a gate with the past. Well, it is sometimes, but I don't mark that very highly on the creativity scale. There should be thought and discipline and professionalism to it done properly, especially if you're doing it on the side of the angels, you know, because you're being paid to replicate what's possible and not just take the easiest route, you know? Yeah. You know, I mean, we make, we make assessments of people within the first like six or seven seconds. I think it's even less now. Like, you know, um, and, and they kind of stay with us until they don't. Yes. And it's why, like, there's lots of tricks as well that you can use as a social engineer, but, you know, based on that. So like I posted, I don't know if you saw, I'm sure you saw this, but a few, uh, God, I don't know when it was, times going, times just doesn't exist anymore in lockdown, does it? But a few weeks ago, I thought there was this article and it was brilliant um, and what it was, was there was this guy who robbed a bank, and I think it was in Europe, and, and no one could remember what his face was like because he wore such an offensive tie. So all they focused on was the ugliness of this tie. Well, I mean, we looked to say, I tried to find the most offensive one I could find, and I could, you know, I'm sure it wasn't as bad as they said. But the principle of that, the distraction principle, is something we use all the time, you know, so you can, people, I've sent crews into jobs with, something to distract people so it might be that the phone is old and, and loud it might be that you know they're, they're, they're doing something ridiculous we just kind of stop short of disguises but uh you know something because we know that if people have something to fixate on they'll fixate on it they'll make their mind up and that's what they um focus on it's called the primacy effect if you if you're talking about cognitive biases and 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 to the same degree you do the same thing and give them the latency effect. So the last thing that you do, people tend to remember. And then there's the emotional bit in the middle. So if you say something really emotional with no context whatsoever, um, people will absolutely remember that and nothing else as well. So we really are messing with people's heads um, when, when we do when I do my job and it's, and really criminals do. I wonder. I always wonder if that was intentional or if the guy just was had a really bad taste and just was fortunate that he hit on quite a good distraction technique. But people certainly would have made up their mind, focused on one thing. And when the police come to take witness statements, no one could remember what he looked like. <laughs> so it's genius. Some of them make me laugh. They do, you know. <laughs> I know they're not to be admired, but some of them are cheeky and funny and inventive. 
Well, and when I was a special agent for customs, I had to have some suspects polygraphed. And mm-hmm. I learned a lot about polygraphy. I didn't do it, obviously. And I would never do one unless I knew the person was really good and did it regularly. Like it's a, it's something like exercise, you know, you can't just do it once a month. And, um, but one of the things the guy said who was amazing was he goes, I can never see them before they go into the room. And then the other thing he says, I could literally bump into them the next day and they wouldn't recognize me. It's so (laughs) mentally traumatic to them that he goes, I could just crash into them the next day and it's completely wiped from their mind. Yeah. Well, the thing is, but that's the whole problem with, with the polygraph is that it, it, it's so, I mean, without, I don't, I, without giving too much away on how it works, it's not what people think at all. And so it's got, you know, people, I, people say <laughs> to me, so oh, what, can you make a lie detection machine? You're like, there is no such thing as a lie detection machine. It is no Pinocchio's nose. You cannot do that. It doesn't exist. It doesn't work. Well, does the polygraph machine work? No, it shouldn't be admissible at all. But there is something to do with it that that, that is a factor. And, and, and that's the question, the line of questioning. And, and we judge responses from that on, on the polygraph. So you can't, it's psychophysiological responses, which as you're quite right in saying, give someone such a heavy cog load, right? <laughs> That that they all like I, that you can put someone under. I mean, in investigative interviews, you can put someone under so much pressure. They 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 barely can remember their own name. Never mind, you know, the the details of what a, probably a fairly generic cop or whatever or expert is talking to them about. Which is precisely why you shouldn't put people under it. It's why we get false confessions, you know. It's it's it shouldn't be. It, it it's there's other things allowed. What what tends to happen is that as a result of, of other things, evidence will, will will come to the fore or a confession may happen, but I could still be wrong. It's a, it's a, if you get into the deception area, we are, we are a very grump, very small community, very grumpy community. <laughs> you try to defend your opinion to the death, you know. It's true. Well, one of the questions I've been asking recently in the podcast and um, is, like what are you watching what do you think is good on television or media that you really really like but in your case I'm going to say that also you think is just beyond ridiculous. <laughs> that's such a funny question all right so if you have not seen there's a few things this is not necessarily that much to do with the job but it's something to do with the job if in the U.S. you have not seen a show called Killing Eve Oh, my need God. to watch Killing Eve. Oh, <laughs> such a good show. And Jodie Comer, who is who plays the assassin Villanelle at the heart of it, is from Liverpool. She's from like a couple of miles down the road from me where I'm sitting right now. Um, so Killing Eve, I love Killing Eve. For absolute bubblegum, you know, ridiculous fun. And I've just got my phone for me just to make sure I get all these right. Did you see the show Good Girls? on Netflix with Christina. Um, uh, I've seen a couple episodes. I haven't fully watched. <laughs> so, silly ass. Silly, silly, silly. It's about a bunch of house. Christina Hendricks, that's right. Who yeah. I love from the show Firefly. It's one of my all-time favorite shows. Christina Hendricks. <laughs> Sorry, that's silly. So they are fraud. They are a group of housewives who need to make some money and basically get pulled into making um, counterfeit money and stuff like that. But very kind of quite, it's not light because obviously there's a little bit of murder in it, <laughs> she says. But in some ways it kind of is, it is quite light. It's quite funny. So I quite like that one. Um, what if I, say, I mean, I like at, at the moment, there's quite a lot of, um, you know, because everyone, we all felt like we completed Netflix during the year. Uh, you know, during the lockdown. Um, yeah, good, I forgot it. So good, good girls. Have you watched? I, watched? watched? No, 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 oh no. I'm, I'm going to save it up because the books are very famous in the uh, cat burglar community, obviously. So I'm going to save that one up because I'll, I'll be devastated if that's not fantastic. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, I guess, I guess some of the things that, as I said earlier, I do like shows about, um, obviously hacking shows and things. I like, there's a lot of shows coming out at the moment about art theft and art heist. And even though I did do an art gallery once, I'm, I'm not an art thief and I've not stolen art. So I was interested to see some of that. And there was a show called, um, let me see. So I'm watching it again. Let me just find it. Sorry, sorry, editing. You have to edit. No, that's... But it was about this art gallery in in Chicago, I think, was it? Oh, it's Boston. The Master Heist? (sighs) They've never recovered. They never recovered. It wasn't called that over here. It was called something else over here. Uh, I'm just going through all my... God, how much crap did I watch during lockdown that I can't even find? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I'm just like scrolling through a million things. Um, art. This is a robbery. It was called This, this is, is a Robbery. Oh, okay. I'll and it, that So This is a Robbery was about the world's biggest art heist. So they sold, um, just from the from the, uh, the thing, I just can't quite remember where it was, but, what, but, but basically... Uh, Two men stole all these paintings from this art gallery, um, including a, a Rembrandt. Um, one of the paintings was called Christ, Christ in the Sea of Galilee. And it goes through, and what they were trying to establish was, who's is it? Was it the mob? Was it people connected to the mob? Was it an inside job? Was it the, and when I say the mob, was it the Italian mob or was it the Irish mob? It might have been Boston but it was called This is a Robbery in the UK. Um, but what was interesting was like they, how they must have been moving these paintings around. And, and one guy, there's this one bit, and I'm I kind of, it's not really a spoiler alert, but there's this one bit where this lady goes into a relative's house and it's like, can you just give us this, you know, can you just tell me if this picture's straight and hanging it above my bed? And it's like, it's like a Rembrandt or something and they're hanging it above the bed. And I just thought that was very funny because... Um, and I can't actually, I was just about to tell you something that I just can't say, but there was a, a not too dissimilar story when I was a kid in Liverpool about a picture that had gone missing that was allegedly hanging up in someone's house, uh, not in Liverpool. He had, a, <laughs> he had a different house somewhere else, but there was this, this, and I was always led to believe that that was a, a prices painting in someone's house. So that one caught my eye as well. So how do people find you for gigs? Like, is it mostly word of mouth? I picture like the 0.001 percenters are like, hey, I got this problem. Do you know anyone? Is it mostly that? So I get for, for strange jobs, like for jobs that you couldn't out, like you couldn't define some of what I do. You can't define. It's not that someone says, can you come in and, and do a pen test? That's what people think is a penetration test, a security pen test. Um for those things, I have a website, even factorsecurity.co.uk. People can go there. And, it, and it's kind of like the site is, you know, it's got all the basic information, but most of the time people find me on social media these days, um, on Twitter and, and, and stuff like that and LinkedIn. Um, and and for those kind of standards, like so security awareness training, talks about social engineering, you know, so pen test testing the security of a site of it that's all on there but the but it was always word of mouth before that I never really I was always far too busy to think that I needed to advertise what I did because it was so niche and word kind of got around and word still gets around now so I still get offered usually in about and, and you know it's so funny because I know you know Pete Taylor Yes. You're the fraud guy. He's going to be on my show soon. Oh, good. But, but, but Pete and I were talking and he said, it's always eight o'clock or something on a Friday night. Friday night, glass of wine, you know, maybe a takeaway. Um, I don't know whether you take out, you know, and you're just about to sit down and have your curry and you go, and, oh, there's the phone. It'll be some awful, terrible thing happen to a client that you can't ignore. And now, you know, you put the glass of wine down and yeah, go on, tell me, let's see if we can do it those type of jobs come in and they tend to be word of mouth 
And that's the type of thing that you can never, some of the jobs I do are so juicy, Kelly, and they've got famous people and loads of money and loads of things involved. And it kills me because you can never talk about it. You can never, ever talk about it. I did a job just last week. It was very, very sexy, very, very cool, involving people that you'd know and everyone's heard of. Fabulous, wonderful, never, ever talk about it. The contracts are cast iron. Like I'd be cast into the ocean and never seen again if I so much as said anything other than what I've just said. Yeah. And that, that's really horrible and annoying. And even in the book, like even I can't even tell family. That's really yeah. annoying because some of them are so cool. You want to go, yeah, I want to get a selfie. No selfies. <laughs> no selfies. The phone is confiscated at the door, if indeed there is a door. Oh yeah. I, I can't even begin to imagine. So I have this thing and sorry to my attorney um, listeners out there, like attorneys, you, do you like it? Do you have issues with attorneys? Like I have issues with attorneys. Oh my God. So, um, so first of all, I've, I've, I have some friends who are very, uh, very, very sharp, very, very good top of the game lawyers. Um, and they've worked with me and for me uh, in various capacity over the years. I've clients who have, you like these incredibly tough uh, legal people. I a few years ago, I worked on um, a TV show, and the producer said to me, um, "There was a problem between what what they wanted me to do and what I could do, and all this." And she said, "Let's just let the lawyers do what they do." She said, "Just let them do. Don't you apologize for what they say? You can and can't do, and neither will we." Just let them fight it out. And it was a really, it's really good advice, to be honest with you. I can't possibly. But I did another TV show. I did a TV show in the UK called Hunted, which was... Yes. Um, they've got it in, in, in the States, I think, a little bit as well. And I had a completely different lawyer to everybody else. <laughs> and my, like, completely different contract, completely different lawyer, kept me completely separate. They were terrified. I don't know what they were terrified I was going to do. Rob someone. <laughs> well... I mean, that's the thing is like, I, I harp on attorneys, but when you need an attorney, you need a good attorney. I, the good mates of mine. It's just that, I, that you know, it's God damn, they can be very definite in what I can and can't do. <laughs> you know, it gets very black and white, even though they can argue the gray area forever. But for me, I'm like, is that legal? Is that illegal? It doesn't feel illegal to me. Like Jenny, it's illegal. Oh, okay. But for a good cause, it's still illegal. Fine. <laughs> um, so yeah, oh my gosh, I could talk to you forever. I also saw that you had Michael Shine on your podcast, the hype guy. Yeah. And it's so funny. I have his book right now, of course, it's next to my bed. And um I reached out Mike to- would definitely come on your show. I can intro you. Okay, definitely. okay, because I love his stuff. Like, I mean, it's his story. <laughs> Of um, who is it? The rock musician who in London, Alice Cooper, yeah, Alice yeah. Cooper's manager. So the so Alice Cooper was big in the states in whenever this was the eighties, seventies, but he was not doing so well in the UK. And they they bought they'd hired Wembley Stadium, was the biggest venue in the UK at the time. Bless us, like a look, I think a Texas or a state like that, like. No, we can fit six UKs in there, but yeah, you know, but for us it's massive. And they they tied it and spent all this money, but they hadn't sold enough tickets. So Mike tells the story that um Alice Cooper's manager decides to um do this stunt to like build up publicity. Uh by getting, and I mean, you'd be better off getting Mike to say this. So apologies to Michael if I'm stealing your thunder, but he's got a million stories. So they hired this guy to 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 drive um a truck. You, a truck's different thing in the states like a like yeah. a yeah yeah like a, a lorry with a big advertising sort of pyramids on it with a picture of alice cooper completely naked with a python sort of draped over him strategically and then they they it broke down by mistake as it were but accidentally on purpose in the middle of trafalgar square in like friday night rush hour which is just the busiest place in the uk on a friday night certainly in london and of course, everybody, like the police were called, and of course, traffic jams, and there was all this chaos and pandemonium. All the kids loved that because it was disruptive before we used the word disruptive. It was disruptive. Um, and the parents hated it and said it was irresponsible and all the rest of it. So, of course, all the kids loved it and they sold out. Now, Michael Shine's book, uh, The Hype Handbook, 
um, is a manifesto for how to use sort of dark psychology and kind of nasty uh, influence and methods for, 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 you know, just for business, just for good, how to use those things in an ethical way. And he's a brilliant guest on a podcast. You've got to get him on, Cal. He's okay. a brilliant guest on a podcast because okay. he's a good storyteller, you know. Yeah, I'm like halfway through his book, and um, but I've listened to him on two podcasts so far. I haven't listened to him on yours. I'll listen. Oh to my him. god, you didn't oh, listen to you can't listen to him on someone else's. <laughs> I still listen to him on mine. Yeah, no. I listened to him on other people's, both before and after he was on mine. And I have You're to say, I think, I think, well, I think I gave a better interview because I just want to believe that, really. <laughs> It was like Dark Ninja versus Dark Ninja, and who could like the chess plane? Do you play chess? No, no. And not only do I not play chess, I got a chess an app during lockdown because that um, the game, you know, Queen's Gambit was on, and everyone was into it. So I get the thing. I did. I mean, I know how to play it, sort of. I mean, from years ago, I kind of got it, and I got this <laughs> this app. And it just, you know, when you get an app to teach you something, it's just, I was just more confused than I was before I got the app. I could play it before. Now I wouldn't even, <laughs> I wouldn't even put me in front of a board. I'd probably hit you with it. So if someone wanted to do what you did, what you do, what would you tell them to do? Where would you tell them to start? So I always say a couple of things. I, when I started, there wasn't the internet because I'm old. So I had to go to traditional reading media to learn anything. And there wasn't even, I mean, it probably was starting to be a thing in, in, in the States, sort of in the 80s and 90s. Mitnick was around, around about then. But in the, in the UK, like no one had ever heard of it. So I said, one of the reasons I never came out and said I did the job for years was because, I mean, it was criminal enterprise. <laughs> So how I learned it was I, I started off reading books actually on anthropology, body language and psychology. And I, and I you know, I read all the big psychology terms, Goss and all that. And I read um, uh, a lot of the psychology, uh, sort of the anthropology stuff. I was trying to read some criminology, just anything that really was about people and the way people interacted. Um, but from libraries... And I was also particularly interested in religion and the way religion operated because I, I went to a Catholic uh, school um, and I did not fit into a Catholic school. I'm an atheist through and through, uh, very much so. But, you know, I was a, also a good, you know, well brought up kids and, I, you know, you respect your elders. And so I was never particularly, well, it was, I mean, I did get particularly argumentative, but I was always fascinated at because for me it's just insane there's no evidence it's just insane right to take a scientific view and so I was always interested in 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 why people could believe in that you know and, and what the mechanism of, of what would convince someone of something that to me personal opinion was completely unconvincing and I had and then I've got some good friends who are very religious in fact my best friend's really quite religious person <coughs> so I don't condemn it I just believe everyone gets the chance excuse me one sir pink cup in cop everyone just should be able to believe or not believe whatever they like but I, I i sort of was interested in that and in sort of the occult and then into cults to see like what the connection was between what what could convince someone to believe in things really i was just kind of thirsty to find things that would help me be better with people because i i knew even then even though for a long time it wasn't my main career it was just something that i could do that i I used to make extra money or and connections and things. I always knew that I'd end up working with people and that um, I had this, I had a knack, a natural talent for being able to ascertain what was in your soul. But that sounds like a massively arrogant thing to say, but I always could see what people really were most, was motivated by. I always felt it. If I said to someone, I know that you're upset today, I know you feel bad or I, I can tell that, you know you feel guilty about that I was usually right even before I studied anything um and then I was interested in in unpicking that and seeing if it was just wishful thinking or or whether there was a formula that 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 you know it, because if I was doing that surely other people were doing it and then of course criminals could do it as well con artists particularly I'm um, thinking of romance fraud 
for example so if you could do those things if you could if you could read someone that well and express empathy to the point of compliance in the other person then I was interested in how 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 could that be like what what is it that that does that so I was I was recommend to people that you read around the topic of the humans you know we're all heading back out into meat space so we can watch the humans um and just just learn more about the carbon-based life forms that's what I would say yeah you know I I had a, a text conversation with a like a mentee the other night who I've known for a long time and uh she said something she's like you've always been able to see what other people haven't seen and whether it's a connection or and and Sherlock I- Kelly you see but you do not observe everybody looks but they're not watching yeah, really just, watch I used to minimize it I and, mm. and my family thinks I'm just a little creative in my head like someone who is an influencer who this Mike Winnett probably is going to tear apart when I heard her on podcast many years ago I was like she's gonna blow up she is gonna flame and sure enough she just flamed and it's just like, how people said, how did you know that? And I'm like, oh my God, where do you want me to start? So it's just seeing those connections that don't work. But but one of the things is, is that I say to people, it's actually really quite straightforward. And I, I have a model um, that really, I, I say to people that there's a model for it, but the biggest part of the model, so I have an acronym, but the biggest part of it is, you actually have to be really interested in other people, like more interested in other people than yourself. So you have to have a fascination and curiosity as to watch your story. And to do that, you have to believe that everyone's got a story. Once you believe everyone's got a story, then that's interesting. And then once you're interested more in them than in you, you can suspend your ego a little bit. And once you've suspended that ego, now you can see people as they really are. And that's a hard thing to do. And I think, a little bit of it come from me comes from I was kidnapped when I was really young. Uh, I was held for a day. And I think after that, I was always very, uh, I always watch things much more carefully. I don't think consciously really so much at first, but I watched things and I watched people very carefully because I'd kind of, I'd fallen for it really. And I think I was always naturally quite cautious after that. Um, not cautious enough, obviously, or I wouldn't be falling off roofs for a living. But. <laughs> But yeah, and it's about that. It's you've got to suspend your own interest and watch the other person. Um, and I always say everyone's got a story. There was a guy in one of my courses once, and he told everyone he was the most boring. He said, "I'm boring. I haven't got a decent story." And I said, "No, no, no. You know, everyone's got a story. Tell me." He said, "No, no. I'm boring." And and he had one job, and his job, he was the only person in the world that bought this very specific thing, which I can't say obviously because I just out him. And he said, but that's it. That's all I do. I think, eat, sleep, breathe this. Um, you know, when I go on holiday, I go on holiday to places where this exists. This is my life. And I said to him, and that makes you absolutely fascinating. And you just don't see it. The single-mindedness to be the leading expert in the world that there's ever been and probably ever will be again in that one thing is just extraordinary. And and so you've got if you if you approach people like that, and think, what aren't you telling me? What what is it? What's your secret life? Then everyone's fascinating and worth watching, and so you do. So I went to a woo woo. I call it a woo woo weekend, like a couple of years ago, and there was a woman, and she was like blah blah blah, and I, I just couldn't take it anymore. <laughs> <laughs> no one likes me from this weekend, by the way. No. <laughs> But I just said, I, I'm like, I'm calling bullshit. I'm like, this is the, no, it, like, you're just blah, blah. And like, she, it, I said it nicely, but it turns out the woman who was leading the woo woo weekend, she actually got it out of her. And I don't know if that woman knew that it was there or me calling bullshit on it made her pull it out of her. But she was giving this story that just didn't make any sense. And I was like, I'm sorry, I call bullshit. You're not, no. And then it kind of, you know, I because I do think everyone does have a story. And that's why I'm fascinated by women who make the bad choice to steal. 
Like what mm. is it in them that makes them do it? I mean, I'm fascinated by anyone who steals, but like women particularly. Well, the, I mean, what I will say, and as I say, again, let's just emphasize, you know, um, even though I did pull a lot of cons in my youth, I am actually an ethical uh, thief. <laughs> but what I will say is that there's an awful lot of, um, there's an adrenaline to it. I mean, that's one of the first things I ever did was we broke into a zoo and a, and a lion, got up to, very close to a lion's cage, and a lion jumped to the cage, which if you listen to my other interviews, you'll hear me talk about endlessly and boringly. But like, that should put you off. That should absolutely put you off. <laughs> <laughs> and it didn't because we got away you know we got away with it and we and, and what it is is you're walking between the range you're doing something that other people don't do it's like social engineering for me and breaking and entering and doing all that stuff thank god i did it you know i mean don't get me wrong there's been times in my career when i've you know i haven't asked too many questions about the client um but it's a it's a different world. It, it's a life less ordinary. Um, and once you have a sniff of that, once you see that it's there, the idea of doing something mundane, I think, is is suffocating. And so people don't do it. It would have suffocated me. And there was times I did try. Really, I actually tried, and I did. And I was a manager, and I I was in procurement. I did all sorts of things, uh, different jobs. But I always had this sort of used to come and go in and out of my life a little bit and uh, I couldn't have I couldn't have done I, I couldn't have done one thing the same thing every day in the same place I would have had to have had something else I think and I think I think a lot of people want that but but either um, make the judgment that they're not going to do something like that or think they're going to do it at some point in the future and then tomorrow never comes so I think what's fascinating to, to everybody in my, my my people always want to talk to me it's like that you did that you did that job and and a lot of people don't do that job so what drives you to do it and also because they think well it, with me certainly you know if that chubby normal woman can do those things then maybe there's part of me that could do that maybe I could go along on a on a job or maybe I could do some of the things I, I, I I've thought about doing you know and they can sometimes. And then sometimes they really actually can't. <laughs> and we've seen, yeah, we've seen it. And when you talk about, you know, I think more often than not, um, it's there's, there's parts of, of fraud and con artistry that aren't violent and, and are not on contact. And I think that's where, where women come into that, you know, yeah. more, than, more than men maybe. Well, I could talk to you forever. We're going to have to have you come back. Oh my gosh. But <laughs> this is one thing I always end on is what haven't I asked you that you, you want to get out or just you think is important or just what haven't I asked you? That is such a cop's question. I know. <laughs> that is such a cop's When I teach people questioning skills, I say, you need that capture all question. I used to say to people, what else? What else? Yeah. <laughs> or I, I know I forgot something. Where is it? And I go through the blank notes. What, what, what was the thing? I meant to ask you. So what was it? Now, um, 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 and they nearly always fill in, um, for me. So what? So the question is, what haven't you asked me there? Well, do you? No one. Do you know what? We haven't time for this. But if you bring me back, you can ask me. No one ever asked me about the fact that this is a business that's lasted pretty much my whole life and if you forget about the the, the sort of sexy stuff that I do because it sounds very sexy what I do and, and you know a lot of it kind of is uh, it's quite it's also quite dangerous and, and a little bit kind of um thrilling until you're the one falling off the roof and then it's just stupid um but no one ever asked me about the business side of it and how I could sustain that business now I could you know that's the thing that no one ever asks me and you haven't time to ask me about it now but I kept that going and, and I've earned a living from it for I mean if you it depends what you call my first paid job I would have been 17 or 18 so that's from from that that's been a business for about 30 years so that's interesting because um, I was just on a thing about what business entrepreneurs that were females, but like, okay, does Lloyd's of London insure you? <laughs> <laughs> and that's where we leave it. <laughs> no, 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 we are not talking about things like insurance, my God. <laughs> but that is fascinating because you know what? 
it is a business. Like, I mean, I say that if I won the lottery, but I hate gambling, so I don't play the lottery, I would still do what I do. And it, but you have a family and you need like, you know, I don't do what I do for nothing for free. No, um, I do. I, I do because of the nature of the job. I do plenty for free. Yeah. Um, but because you just have to, because some people can't afford your services and they, and they're good people being scammed. But yeah. So, yeah. So that's the question. No one ever asks me, how the hell did you sustain a business in what you do for 30 years? No one ever asked me that. So well, food for thought for thing, next time. Attorneys, six minute increments. You probably do flat fee for everything. It's just a fixed price. Don't you? No. Really? Ooh, that's fascinating to me. No, no, it, there is so much goes into what we quote. Yeah, I quote, oh, it's, interesting. It's, it's a bespoke service. Okay. Oh, well, I mean, the flat fee could be in, but I, I hate the six minute increment because it just makes things like take longer than they should. So. Right. <laughs> okay, we are going to have you back and we're going to talk about the business of the angels. How about that? The next episode will be business of the angels. Oh, well, you'd be, I would be happy to come back. But yeah, that's what they never say. So it's been a pleasure, Kelly. <laughs> oh, thank you so, so much, Jenny. This has been awesome. Oh, no, it's been my pleasure. I've really enjoyed being on the show. Thanks for having me. Was that incredible and just so much fun? I am a forever fangirl now. Jenny was so incredibly nice and gracious and full of great information and stories. I will put in the show notes other podcasts she has been on. Definitely reach out to her. Follow her on LinkedIn and Twitter and someday she promised she'll be back, maybe after she finishes that book. That is going to be a page turner, I know for sure. So many amazing gems of insight from Jenny. Please take away from this to reach out to people. They can only say no, and more often than not, they will surprise you and say yes. Please share this episode with anyone you think who might enjoy it, meaning everyone. Have a wonderful week. Next week, we will have a great dude and fraud. Tom Harden, aka Tipper Axe. His story will give you goosebumps. Thank you again for your time and all your great reviews. I really, truly appreciate it.